there was eight minutes left on the clock when uh, Tony Dungy had a glimmer of hope. Tony Dungy at the time, back in the 90s, he was the new head of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was, he was the coach of one of the worst teams in all of NFL history back in that time. Uh, there was one sports columnist that I later learned uh, that called the Buccaneers back in that time America's orange doormat. Um, Tony Dungy in that time, after being with the Buccaneers for a few months, he was starting to notice that some of the basic habits and routines that he was trying to instill in his players, it was finally starting to stick. You see, Tony was hired in 1996 with this crazy idea about how to win at football. His ideas were very different from any other college uh, or professional ball uh, coach at the time. Instead of learning hundreds of different plays out of these playbooks and practicing them over and over again, he thought, if I could just teach my players to learn just a couple of, a few simple cues and the routines that would follow those, that I can beat any team in any playbook at any time. Now, Tony Dungy had actually been interviewed by four separate NFL teams before the Buccaneers approached him. And he passed this idea by them and he was turned down by all four teams. They thought he was crazy. But then the Buccaneers came along and basically the Buccaneers were desperate. They're like, if you have a pulse, we'll take you. You're hired. Uh, Back in that time, this is what Tony Dungy said. He said, champions don't do extraordinary things. They do ordinary things, but they do them without thinking Too fast for the other team to read. They follow the habits that they have learned. Now, Tony Dungy, he stuck with these basic routines, these basic habits that he taught his players. Month after month after month, and his team lost. Month after month after month. It got to a point that people were saying, how long will this dude stay as a coach? ESPN was known as saying he'll be gone by the end of the year. But Dungy's simple system finally started to take hold that day when his team was playing against the San Diego Chargers. And things started to change. He started noticing that habits that he had been teaching them, they were starting to form. That these plays, that he was, these basic routines he had taught them, that they were now starting to do them like they were on autopilot. They weren't even thinking, they weren't hesitating, they were just performing them. As soon as they saw the cue, they performed the routine that he had taught them. And... That team beat the San Diego Chargers that day and didn't just beat them, but beat them soundly. And in time, in a matter of months, the, San Diego, or the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers went from being one of the worst teams of all of NFL history to one of the winningest teams in the NFL. Tony Dungy became one of the most respected, play, or respected coaches in all of pro athletics and was the first coach in history to reach 10 consecutive years of playoffs. It's amazing to me the power that habits have in people's lives when we learn them. Last week we talked about how we're all creatures of habit. Whether we want to be or not, by the time we reach adulthood, we're creatures of habit. There are certain habits that we have learned and we just do them without thinking. Nearly half the things that we do on an average day, 40% of the things that we do on an average day, they're done on autopilot. We don't even think about them. We wake up, we get out of bed, we go to the bathroom, we brush our teeth, we do it the same way every day. We, we, we follow these same patterns when we get in the car. We don't, how many times do you think about or concentrate on how you're driving? You just kind of do it. And sometimes you're just like, oh man, I'm already at work. I didn't even realize I'm here. We do so many things on autopilot as these habits form 
in our lives. How we drive, how we eat, how much we eat, how we brush our teeth. They're all things that we do because we're creatures of habit. And what we talked about last week, if you missed the message, is that there are, there, there are a couple of great men in Scripture. One of them was Daniel that learned that if you take advantage of those habits, if you leverage those habits, if you figure out how to use them for your favor, God can use you in extraordinary ways. If you missed that message, I would encourage you, go online to gracetucson.org and listen to that this afternoon. If you ever want to figure out how to break habits in your life or how to create new habits, I strongly encourage you to read this book. It's not a Christian book really thought-provoking book called The Power of Habit. And it basically breaks down for us how these habits form in our lives and how to rework them to get to building the, the habits that we want to have in our lives. And this is what this book says. It says that our brains will try to do anything it, they can to turn anything that's fairly routine into a habit. It's our brain's way of helping us manage the world around us and conserve Mental energy, I guess. But it's a huge gift that we have. We can form habits, and I bet you know this, we can form habits without even realizing we're doing it, right? Yet how many of us have ever actually stopped to think about and to learn how to create a habit that we want in our lives? Or how to get rid of a habit that kind of just formed on its own that we want to actually get rid of? Now, as I share that with you, many of you are thinking, oh, I, I've wanted to do that so many times, I just can't seem to make it work. I totally get it. There was a time in my life about a year and a half ago, some of you know this, I was so struggling with diet and exercise that it was, it was just, it was so frustrating to me. And most people would look at me back at that time and think, oh, you don't need a diet, you don't need exercise. And part of that was because I, I love to go hiking and that kind of kept me, at least while I was looking like I was somewhat in shape, but I wasn't. My body was telling me every day, every night, you need to do something about your body. It's not working. It was, I was struggling with fatigue. I was struggling with all kinds of things. And I knew the answers. But there was this problem I had. I kept telling myself, yeah, but I've tried it. I can't do it. I can't. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Any of you? Yeah, I see most of your hands are going up. Is there a habit or two in your life that you would like to form or create. Or maybe a habit or two you'd like to get rid of in your life. Maybe you want to create a habit like a regular exercise routine or a daily personal time with God. And you also recognize that to do that, there are these old habits that you have to do something about at the same time, like maybe that late night TV or web searching habit that you had that kind of keeps you from following through with the habits that you want. Maybe it's something really simple like this habit of stopping biting your nails or that you want to be to appointments on time and it's frustrating you that you have these bad habits and even though they're small, they seem to get the best of you and you want to do something about it. Maybe, maybe you have this urge every time you walk through the mall and you smell that whiff of cinnamon in the air to make your way toward the cinnamon counter, right? It's just almost an irresistible urge and you see that you smell that, that cinnamon and you just have to go for it. Or maybe it's a more destructive habit like eating too much or drinking too much or pornography and you just, it, you know it's destroying your life in some ways and you, everything in you wants to stop it but you keep telling yourself, oh, other people can stop these things but 
I can't. Today, I can't focus on all those habits, but I'm going to focus on one. One that I've heard from so many of you, you want to build in your life or you want to strengthen in your life. And that is how to have a personal time with God daily that's really enriching and meaningful to you. Maybe a personal time with God by reading the Bible. It's a habit that many of us would like to form or strengthen, right? But there, what, what, one of the things that I learned when I read this book, Power of Habit, a while back that just really struck me was that MIT's researchers um, decades ago figured us out. They studied humans for years and their habits that they were forming and they wanted to get to what is it that causes a habit and is there any way that you can break a habit? And this is what one of these, uh, this is what the author of that book actually said. He calls it the habit loop. That's what, where MIT originally, what MIT originally called it. And this is what he says. He says, at one point, we all consciously decided how much to eat and what to focus on when we get to the office, how often to have a drink, or, what, or when to go on a jog. And then, he says, we stopped making a choice, and the behavior became automatic. It's a natural consequence of our neurology. And by understanding how it happens, you can rebuild those patterns in whichever way you choose. So... Here's basically what's happening. This is what these MIT researchers finally figured out a few decades ago that basically changed everything. They figured out that every human, that we're all the same, we can claim to be that we're all the same, it starts with a cue. This cue is something that you see, something that you hear, something that you smell that says, ah, start a routine. For maybe for you it's a sound. It's the sound of that infernal alarm clock at 5.30 in the morning. That starts, this, that starts this routine in your mind of, I need to get up, I need to get dressed, I need to do my things, right? Maybe it's a smell, as I said, like the, the smell of that Cinnabon coming through the mall that cues you to go to a routine. That routine for you, when you smell that Cinnabon, is figure out where it's coming from. Pull out my purse and drop a five down to the young guy or girl behind the counter, right? And that routine leads to a reward. As you put that first morsel of tasty goodness in your mouth, right? I know, some, you, you, I know you know what I'm talking about. And we do, what, what these researchers figured out is that if you, if you see the cue, if you do the routine over and over again and you get that reward... That's a guy trying to lick his lips. Good luck with that, figuring that out. We do this, this over and over again in our days. We do this dozens of times every day. We see, we hear, we smell a cue. It causes us to follow through in a routine, and then we get our reward. And the more times we do this, cue, routine, reward, cue, routine, reward, cue, routine, reward, the more times we do it, the more that habit is formed in our lives, the easier it is to do it without us even thinking about it, and the harder it is to break it, right? So here's what these researchers figured out. They figured out if you want to create a habit, if you want to create a routine, all you need to do is write a cue and a reward that makes it work for you. Say you decide, like I was trying to do a year and a half ago, I want to, I want to go to the gym. And so I'm trying to figure out how in the world... Do I create this routine? Well, I finally figured it out as I read this book. I need a cue. And so for me, it was as simple 
as, believe it or not, putting my, clo- my gym clothes out be- when I, before I go to bed at night to remind me. I got my gym bag and I set it right in the, my spot where I normally would go to pray. And I was like, it's that my reminder, I need to go to the gym this morning. And with that cue, I needed to have a reward in that bag with me. And, and for me, it was dark chocolate. It's my weakness. Oh, man. Or a bag of, of chocolate chip cookies. You can judge me if you want. It works, I'm telling you. It works. This is so amazing. This is what they figured out. They figured out that if we follow this pattern over a period of days, no matter what habit you want to put into your life, you can do it. Here's what they also figured out. If you try to break a habit and you, just, and you do it by trying to do something other than this Q routine reward pattern, it won't work. How many of you have tried to break a habit in your life and it's like, mm, I'm just going to quit cold turkey. I'm going to make myself do it. And that lasts how long, right? What's happening is they figured this out. Our brains are like hard drives. How many of you know if you decide to delete a file on a hard drive, is it really deleted? You think it's deleted. Your computer tells you it's deleted, but is it deleted? The guys at the CIA will tell you absolutely not, Right? What's happening is the, the computer just overwrites it with a few ones and zeros, but the, the file's still there. And how does it eventually get erased? As one file over another over another overwrites it, eventually the traces of that old file are gone. And they figured out the same thing is true with our brains. There's no way to break a routine unless you create a new routine and overwrite the old one. And that's how we work. What's so encouraging about this, and that science has proven this, is that you're able to change any habit that you're motivated to change in your life. Any habit that you want to change, you can change. God gives us that ability as human beings. Now, you can say, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I heard that so many times as a boy growing up in Georgia. Oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. As they go to the doctor, the doctor says, you know what? You need to stop eating all that deep fried food. It's going to kill you. Well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or when I would try to teach a grown-up back in that time how to program a VCR to record a TV show. Remember those days? Oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What what this research is proving here is that you're you're never short of ability. You're just short of motivation. If you want it, regardless of your age, you have the ability to learn any habit, to break any habit with time and intentionality. Now, we're getting prepared here at Grace, many of us, hopefully all of us, to do something pretty challenging over the next 40 days, over 40 days, and that is to read through the New Testament from beginning to end together. We'll be starting this a week from tomorrow. And what we're going to see today as we open, go into Scripture is that there was a man by the name of Joshua over 3,000 years ago who God taught this very habit of how to build Scripture in your lives. And basically, there's a message that God gives Joshua that is pretty profound that I want us to see this morning. So I want to encourage you, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. We'll be there most of our time this morning. Joshua chapter 1, it's like the sixth uh, book of the Bible in. As you're turning there, let me say, by the way, if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we have copies of the Bible at the Guest Services Center here in the Breezeway. We'd love to give you one before you leave today. 
on us. We'd be glad to do so. Please feel free to stop by there before you leave. So Joshua chapter 1. I'm just going to launch in uh, in the middle of this story here in verse 6. Look, look at what it says. And this is God speaking to Joshua here. It says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Now, if you go back and you look at the first five verses here, what you see is, that, as I said, God's talking to Joshua. Now, why is God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous? Because God is telling Joshua, you're going to lead my people out of the desert into the promised land. You're going to fight these enemies. You're going to conquer the land. And this land will be yours. It's promised to you. Now, up until now, who had Joshua's job? Moses, right? Moses had been doing this job for quite some time. And Joshua had just been kind of watching on the sidelines. Moses led... I mean, imagine, imagine having this as a job. Imagine leading over a million people out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt and across the desert into a land that God has promised. I mean, imagine this job. You know, I, now, what you, if, when you read the story, what you find out is there was, they had a little bit of trouble with this job, right? Moses did. I mean, it took him 40 years. He's wandering around the desert for 40 years after they get out of Egypt trying to find the promised land. They're having trouble getting there. But finally they get there, and just at the point when they're getting there, God tells Moses, okay, Moses, you're, t- you're done now. Joshua's going to take over from here. Now, that doesn't seem quite fair. We see in Scripture that it was because of some sin in Moses' life. But also, I mean, let's give the guy some credit. Moses was well over 100 years old by this point. If anybody's ready to kick the bucket, it was him, right? And so Moses is, che- Moses is hearing from God, your time is done. You need to tell Joshua that he's going to take over from here. And so Moses goes to Joshua in the end of Deuteronomy, the book just before this, and he's telling Joshua, okay, I'm going to be checking out here. I'm dying. You're going to take over. You're going to lead these million-plus people into the promised land. And Moses tells Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. We see this at the end of Deuteronomy. Now, obviously, it wasn't sticking because God's now telling him that in Joshua chapter 1, right? Moses was telling Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. You can do this. But what you also see in the end of Deuteronomy is God told Moses and no doubt Moses told Joshua that as Joshua goes into the promised land, he's going to have some trouble. These people, these my chosen people, they're going to start bucking the system. They're going to start rebelling against me. They're going to want to do their own thing. And Joshua's going to struggle a little bit with this, but he's going to be able to do it. And so no doubt he's told Joshua this and Joshua's thinking, are you kidding me? And not only do I have to lead a million people across the river and, into a, a, and conquer all these, these foreign enemies, but I've got to do it while they're, fighting me in, while they're fighting me in the process. And so this is a job that, Moses, uh, that Joshua has before him. Now, as I'm explaining this story to you, you may be thinking, Dave, great story and all. What in the world does this have to do with reading the Bible every day? Well, let me show you. Look at verse 7. This is what God says as he continues talking to Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Scripture. Meditate on it day and night so you will be able to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. 
This is my command, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is telling Joshua in this moment, I've got some incredible plans for you, young man, in your life, if you will trust me. And and as you read the book of Joshua, what you see is this story is laid out, how God works in and through Joshua's life in incredible, amazing ways. Now, God tells Joshua, in these verses I just read to you, God tells Joshua, you will prosper and you'll be successful in everything you do in life if what? If you're... Strong and courageous, yes, we saw that. If verse 9 says, if you don't let fear and discouragement get in the way. But did you pick on the fact, up on the fact that God also said, if you get into the habit of reading and meditating on God's word day and night. That's what he told him. God reassures him. His life is going to have purpose and it's going to be successful if he just chooses to build this one habit into his life. And if he does, he won't just know what the Bible says. It'll be a part of him. It'll motivate him to live a life that honors God. It'll cause him to make godly decisions as a leader when tough calls have to be made. It'll keep his relationship with God at the front and center of his life. And this isn't just true for Joshua, of course, right? I mean, this is true for all of us. There are other places in Scripture that talks about the importance of having time daily in Scripture, reading God's Word in order for our lives to truly be lived the way God wants us to live them. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy 28, 29. Look at the book of Psalms. Psalms says this as well. Very first few lines of the book of Psalms say this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or... Join in with mockers. But they delight in what? The law of the Lord. Meditating on it. There it is again. Day and night. And what happens if you do that? It says in verse 3. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. Bearing fruit in its season. Their leaves never wither. Never. Never wither. Never wither. And they prosper. There it is again. They prosper in all that they do. But some of you who are here this morning, I know, you know this already. This isn't news to you. You started this habit of daily time in God's Word years ago. It's informed hundreds, if not thousands of decisions that you have made throughout the course of your life. Those little decisions that you're making every day, and they're made just a little bit differently because God's Word is in you, and it comes out through you in the decisions you make. How many countless responses some of you have had that are different today than they would have been earlier in your life because you spend time daily in God's Word and when someone challenges you, when someone confronts you, when someone stabs you in the back, when someone hurts you or someone that you love, the the old you would have done something very different. But the new you has had new habits that have formed because why? You're daily in God's Word and it has literally changed you. Still others of you, you're stuck. Maybe that's you this morning. You're still stuck on the old dogs and new tricks idea. You keep telling yourself, I can't. I can't do it. I can't change. I I, want to read scripture, but I can't. Dave, I'd love to read the New Testament with you guys. I think that would be awesome. I know it would make a huge impact in my life too. But I'm not a reader. 
I struggle with reading or I'm too busy. My life, my schedule, have you seen my calendar lately? It's, it's nuts. And you've convinced yourself that this habit, this habit that you want to have in your life, that it's bigger than you. But really, what we've seen is what you're not missing is ability. What you're missing is just motivation. So whether it's a habit of reading the Bible or anything else, dieting, saving, being more patient, being to appointments on time, I don't think the question is, can I change? I think the question is, why change? How is it worth my time to put the time and effort in to change or build this habit into my life? So, why read the Bible? If that's the question we're asking this morning. What's the motivation here to make, this a, make me want to learn this habit and to adjust my life a little bit until it becomes routine for me? Well, only you can answer that question for yourself. But let me share with you a few things that have impacted me that have helped me in this area. The first thing that I think of when I think about that question while I read the Bible is because God's Word is His message to you and to me. And this message is perfect. Psalm 19 says this. It says God's Word is perfect, it's trustworthy, it's true, it's clear, and it's pure. Proverbs chapter 30 speaks to the same thing as well. And some people, you know that some people struggle with understanding God's will for their lives. But the more regularly you take time to be in God's word, the more regularly you build this habit into your life, the clearer God's voice is in your life. When we struggle with hearing God's voice, how often is it because we're just not spending time listening to his message to you and I? So, the first thing I think about as far as why I read Scripture is because it's God's message to me. And I don't want to miss it. It's a perfect message. But secondly, because more than any other book, it's powerful. Scripture has the ability to literally change a life as we read it and as we take it in. And some of you, you know this firsthand. It exposes those things in, our li- those things in ourselves that we might otherwise not see or pay attention to or do something about. Another reason is because Scripture actually says that we'll give an account of our lives before God one day. Actually, Job, Job said before God uh, once thousands of years ago, he said, God, you know the exact length of my days, and I know that I will have to give an accounting to you one day. One day we'll give an accounting for our lives, and every day, every week that's spent, and how many of us want to look, at, look into the face of our Savior and say, God, I'm so sorry I, spent, I wasted so much time on this silly habit or this silly habit when I could have spent time with you. Why not intentionally get ahead of this and say, I don't want these stupid creatures of habit, things in my life to constantly suck my time away. I want to get rid of some of those things that I don't want so that I can build in the things that I really want in my life, the things that I know are going to make a difference in my life. And lastly, this is, the re- this is what motivates me the most. It because, it's because I know that God has so much in store in this life for me and for you that I don't want to be distracted or derailed by stuff that gets in the way of God's will. Jeremiah 29 says, I have, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I don't want to mess that up. 
by being distracted from God and God's plan for my life with all these silly things in my life that just waste time. 1 John, book of 1 John, chapter 2, the author is speaking to these people in this one church and he says, um, in this letter, he says, he tells them that they're strong. And you know why he tells them they're strong? Because he says, the word of God abides in you. It's not something that just sits on a shelf. It's not something that you leave uh, uh, on your coffee table and hope to read someday. He says, God's word abides in you. And because of that, it says in 1 John 2, there's nothing that's going to stand in your way. No sin, no bad habit, nothing will stand in your way. So here's what I'm getting to this morning. Hopefully I'm presenting this to you clearly enough. My hope is that we would all aim, with the help of this community Bible experience that we're getting ready to start here at Grace, to all build into our lives or strengthen in our lives this habit of daily personal time in the Word of God. Let's not be too quick, guys, to give up on ourselves. Because if if you want this habit, you can build it into your life. Now, earlier I talked with you about Tony Dungy, remember? He understood the power of habits and the power that habits can have in our lives. And he literally turned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers around by teaching them cue routine reward. And teaching them a few simple routines. A routine like we're trying to develop and strengthen our lives around spending time in the Word of God. The one thing, though, that kept troubling Tony Dungy in those initial, that initial year or two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that he saw them following these same, he saw them seeing those cues, following those same routines, doing it so fast, so quickly, that the other teams just couldn't catch up. And they were successful and they were winning. And then they would get to a game that mattered. They'd get to a playoff and the whole thing would fall apart. And Tony was like, what is the deal? We've done this over and over and over again. What's the problem? Why, why when, there's a, is it, when there's an important game, does everything fall off the rails? And he scratches his head like, there's, there's something missing here. There's something missing in this habit loop. Because this, this cue routine thing is, is getting broken down. What's missing? Tony Dungy is a Christian man. As he studied this, he finally figured it out. He says, there's a missing ingredient in this MIT research. Do you know what it is? It's belief. What he saw was his players didn't believe in themselves. When the rubber met the road, when a game that was really going to be important was to happen, they would think, oh, these routines are not going to work. And then they would start to doubt themselves and they would hesitate. And as soon as they were hesitating, game over and they would lose. And so what he had to instill in them was that they needed to have faith. They needed to believe. And once they started doing that, everything turned around. Now, in recent years, researchers at MIT and other places who, have, who spent all their days studying this kind of stuff, they figured the same thing out. They studied groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and Gamblers Anonymous. And they were like, how come these faith-based groups, they seem to do so much better than all these other groups doing the exact same thing? And they didn't want to say that God had anything to do with it, right? That'd be an awful thing to say. But here's what they couldn't get around. 
the people have to believe in something. And so what they, what they started putting in their, in their research is for this habit loop to work, there's a fourth ingredient, and it's belief. And that basically, they, they came, you know, these MIT guys, bless their hearts, they came short of saying God had something to do with it. But they said, you got to believe in something. Believe in anything, they said. Just believe in something. Believe that tree out in your backyard gives you the power to do what you need to do, and, and that will be sufficient. But they, what they got shown to is that you have to believe. If the, the, and maybe you know this in your life. The moment you start to doubt that you can, can create these habits then the whole thing falls apart. How many times have you had a New Year's resolution that hasn't gotten past uh, maybe today? Right? Is it because you were not following this, this loop and thinking cue routine reward and believing that God can do in you what you can't do in yourself? There was a time a year and a half ago in my life when I was really struggling with my health. You couldn't have been able to tell it by looking at me because I like to hike a lot and so I stayed fairly skinny. But my body was telling me this ain't working anymore. At 42 years of age, 41, 42, my body was just not responding the way it used to. And I was struggling. I was struggling with all sorts of things in my life. And I felt it. I felt it every single day. And it was frustrating me. And I knew what the answer was. But there were two little words that kept me from following through. You know what those two words were? I can't. I, I need to go to the gym. I need to get in the habit of being in the gym, but I can't. I tried that, God. I tried that three or four times before in my life, and it didn't work. It's not going to work for me. It'll work for anybody else, but it won't work for me. What I realized through this simple book was that I can. It's not rocket science. It's a basic formula that we're to follow. And what I also know to be true, and I had forgotten, something the MIT guys hadn't figured out yet, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, how? Through my own strength? (laughs) Good luck with that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Does Christ want you to build this habit into your life? If so, does he give you the strength to do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I spoke to this last week. It's our theme verse for this series, Creatures of Habit. 2 Corinthians 5.17. In Christ, I am being formed daily into a new creature. The old me and the old habits, they don't stand a chance with God in the mix if I put the time and intentionality into it. What kept me from the gym all those years, decades, was I can't. And there's so many people who believe in God and love God, but they struggle with having a vibrant, life-changing relationship with Jesus because they can't find that time in their day to be alone with God and allow God to root them, as Psalms chapter 1 says. They get stuck on, I can't. And if I have one hope for you, one hope through this experience, this community Bible experience, it will be that every one of you will find out how much your life can just take off spiritually if you build this one simple habit into your life. And let me tell you, there couldn't be a better time to give this a shot, to build this habit into your life than now, when it's not just you trying this, but a few hundred other people at Grace Community who are trying it already. I'm excited. I was excited to learn that we were up way past 250 people who've signed up to be a part of this experience 
um, starting in, in eight days. And my hope is by the time you guys leave next Sunday, I will have gotten every one of you to sign up for it, if you haven't already. This, what this looks like is so simple. It's spending time reading God's Word a few minutes every day or listening to it. We were providing the audio online that you can listen to. It's gracetucson.org slash cbe. And then spending time in a book club is what we're calling them. These clubs where we get together and we talk about our reading and what it's meaning to us. Now, as I wrap up this morning, I want to ask if I can, uh, Tim Henson and Angela Holler to join me up here on the stage. Would you give them a hand? Now, Tim, from what I understand, you're going to be one of those that are leading one of these book clubs uh, that's starting a, uh, in about a week. And you're doing Wednesday nights uh, here at Grace. Is that right? Right. Uh, co-leading it with Cindy Baker right here in the sanctuary. And it's going to be open to anyone. If you have not been a part of a small group, uh, we're a part of a small group already. We're kind of suspending that. And the members of that group are going to meet. So anyone that wants to join us is welcome to join now, what do you and these other book club leaders expect that people will get out of this experience each week? I think we have not done, many of us haven't done this routine where each day we're reading through the Bible. And in this case, we're going to be reading through the entire New Testament in 40 days. It's a bit of a challenge because it's unique. And so uh, it helps us, I think, when we're doing it together. It's the community part of the community Bible experience that, that seemed attractive to me. Now... The format of these book clubs we're talking about, they're very different from a typical small group that meets. And many of you have been a part of a small group in the, part, in the past. What's the difference between these two? At times in the, small book, in, the, in the small groups that we've had before, maybe we've had booklets and we fill out answers. And so you have to do your homework ahead of time. And, and we're not really doing that this time. Um, no fill all, in the blanks this time, There's huh? no fill in the blanks. Amen the, to that. The bookmark that comes with these shorter Bibles just has... Uh, it has the schedule on one side, and then it has simply five questions on the next that are kind of discussion starters. So hopefully all of us will read, you know, there's five reading days out of every week, and so hopefully we'll stay current with that, and then we'll just kind of discuss those five questions. There's no homework, no pressure. It's so the, the, the same five questions every week? Yeah, and so um, it's just, you know, what was meaningful to you? What did you uh, experience that was new in your reading this past week? Uh, what troubled you? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just the same questions that we're all going to see. Now, the question that some of us are thinking, right, is why book club? Why show up once a week? Why commit an hour and a half of my time to show up when you want me to read the Bible, right? I can't just do that at home. How would you answer that? That was exactly what I thought, too. <laughs> and I thought I'd rather just stay home on a Wednesday night. But then I, um, I didn't read the New Testament last year. Uh, I didn't read it 10 years ago. And so there's a benefit, I think, when we're all doing this thing together. And so if the whole church is doing it and we're going to get together once a week, there's a bit of accountability without having it be kind of forced that I think will be a benefit. A positive, so, a positive so, yeah. benefit. When we all show up and say, okay, do we all do the reading? It's not a, you know, let's make certain everyone did, but it's an encouragement and accountability stick with it. built into it to stick with it Yeah. for 40 days. And one of the things that I'm excited about this is my wife and I are going to lead a group on Friday nights is the fact that I can, I can read through the, my section of the scripture for, for, for that particular week and I get one perspective, but then I can come to this book club and I can hear eight or ten other perspectives on the same thing I just read that I probably haven't even seen, right? 
right. in addition to building these powerful relation, real relationships with people in the process. Good point. So I'm looking forward to that myself. Now, Angela, tell me, what do you think about all this? Well, as you guys are talking about this, I, I kind of go back to a verse that um, my mom kind of drilled into our head when we were going, growing up as iron sharpens iron in Proverbs 27:17, And a version of that says, so a man sharpens a friend's character. And kind of building on what both of you had mentioned, the perspective of someone else. So, you know, I may have my own perspective where I read something or have heard something and and it's not challenged. So by hearing somebody else's version, I open myself up because, you know, we all are flawed. We all have grown up with, um, you know, different input and and sometimes it's it's wrong and we need to be challenged in our thought. But Hmm. for me, I... um, you know, growing up in a, in a family that where my mom uh, reads the Bible still daily, um, it, it's and kind of rebelling against that. I've tried many times to start a program like this, doing it either on tape or, um, you know, with a group, and I've never been successful. So knowing that I can come to this, I'm, I am part of a small group, and it is a, it is a family to me. So I think this opening up to a bigger group is kind of like um, kind of like a family reunion where we're all together. We may not know all of our cousins, but we're doing it together and, and we kind of get to know each other a little bit better. So if I miss a, a, a reading, somebody else might, else might have read it and I can still pick up something. So even if I'm not being you know, totally vigilant and reading every day, I can still gain something from it. Yeah. Now... Why is why is this a habit that you want to strengthen in your life, and what challenges do you think you might find along the way over those 40 days? You know, it's interesting because I said something completely different in first service, but um, one of my my big things um, for me as a as a parent um, raising three kids, it's you know my life is is active, and I can I can make that excuse, but. Um, I tell my kids that my job to them is to be to raise them to be responsible, respectful, contributing citizens. And um, I think I've kind of forgotten the faithful part. So to mm. add this to um, kind of my my instruction to them, I think um, it's important. Yeah. Now, you'll notice in your programs today, uh, there's a little insert that has books of the Bible at the top. This is about the community Bible experience. Flip over, look at that, and look on the back, and you'll actually notice many, many of the groups that, are, that will be meeting are on the back here. There are tons of opportunities where you can join in on one of these clubs. Just about every day of the night of the week, we'll have something going. In fact, I'm excited to find out in this last week, we're now going to even have uh, a student-led uh, CBE small group that will start meeting in a couple of Sundays right during our second service uh, in room one. So I'm really excited about those four student leaders who have stepped up and said, we want to build this habit into our lives and to be able to pass this on to other students. So whether you're an adult or a student, even even for kids, we're going to be be, uh, working through this material on Sunday mornings during children's ministry. There's uh, audio that you can download for that's a kid's version that they can listen to uh, each day to kind of keep up with the Bible reading. So many resources available at your disposal. I hope you'll take advantage of it. Now, there was a, a video that I thought I would show you this morning that really p- would powerfully give this uh, message to you. 
about how life-changing reading Scripture can be. I'm not going to take the time to show it to you this morning for the sake of time, but you can go to gracetucson.org slash Bible to look at our interactive sermon notes any week. And when you get home this afternoon, open that up and you'll actually see this video of a woman named Polya and how she struggled with building this habit into her life. But once she did, she explains how her world just completely changed as a result of this building this one habit into her life. And that's really what we're getting at this morning. God tells us that we can, be, we can prosper and be successful in all that we do in this life if we build this one habit into our lives of focused daily time with God in His Word. Rooted in the words that we have been carrying around that's been sitting on our bookshelves for years. Regardless of what habits you currently have or don't have, with God at your side, as MIT may or may not want to believe, with God at your side, you can do all things through Him and strengthen you. Especially a habit that you know God wants you to build into your life in the first place. So may that be an encouragement to you today. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning to dig into your word. Lord, I pray for each one of us who are here this morning and we are as creatures of habit, Lord, we've, we've picked up on habits sometimes that we don't like, that we want to get rid of. And Lord, through this series, we're learning there's a habit or two that we want to build into our lives that really hasn't been there. Lord, some of us in this room and some who are listening online would say that one of those habits is a a daily enriching, life-changing time with you. And Lord, some of us, we've we've tried to just kind of white-knuckle it and and do it, you know, say we checked off that box on our list that says we had a few minutes with God, but Lord, there was no life in it and we we hadn't formed a habit yet. And as a result of that, we, we didn't stick with it. God, I pray for each one of us as we launch into this together that there would be strength in numbers and that through this experience that we would be able to encourage each other and remind each other that we can do this. We can not only read the New Testament in 40 days, but we can build a habit into our lives that carries beyond 40 days into the rest of our lives. God, I pray that you would just encourage us in those moments three, four, five weeks from now when we start to want to give up or think we can't to remind us, Lord, that it's not our ability, but it's just our motivation that we need to work on. And Lord, we pray that you would give us that motivation, that you would spark that in us in such a way that it would never go out. In Jesus' name, amen.